Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two of our very own neon highlighters. What's up, Sarah and Jean? You know, I really should have come up with a highlighter pun um, based off the title of the show, based off the events of the week, but uh, I got nothing. So if you want more insightful comedy like this, you can find me on Twitter at Sarah Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And my name is Gene Zilek. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And uh, if I had the choice of what highlighter to be, I think I would be the blue highlighter. Oh. Hmm. Feeling okay, Gene? Yeah, I just feel like <laughs> you want to I talk like the, about. I feel like the blue highlighter is underutilized. That's all. I don't. I don't like this. I don't like this layout of this. I have to switch it back. So okay. So now it's a little I have more to jump, I have to jump in about that blue highlighter. It's pretty, but I don't think it's very effective. It doesn't like highlight. You know, well, you that need... sounds exactly like me. Also, most pretty effective when used. Yeah, most of, the blue highlighter is most effective when used like in conjunction with other highlighters. Like, yeah, because it really I like the the stuff in yellow and this stuff in pink, and then blue seems to be like the tertiary highlighter. Gene, that's I, I feel like the green is the worst because you, you, you most text you can't really read through green highlighter. Well, what did Sirianni have? He had a pink, a pink and a and a yellow, uh, and yeah, a pen, and a pen, or or mechanical pencil, but I think it was a pen. Okay, we're, yeah, and a keychain, right, with like a rabbit's foot. Yeah. So yeah, or... uh, I guess we start. We start with the Eagles, and let me just start. Let, let me kind of lay out where, where I'm coming from with the Eagles, and then we'll just kind of like branch off from from there. So I am of the mind that I'm not really like that twisted up about anything with the Eagles right now. There's things that I'm displeased with i guess you could say but the wins and losses are not like getting me in a bind right now it you know when we're mapping out wins and losses before the season starts i did have the eagles beating atlanta i did have the eagles losing to san francisco dallas and the chiefs so one and three start doesn't really hasn't like knocked me off my square all that much i feel like <clears throat> um i feel like hertz is playing better uh, under under Sirianni, I feel like uh, Devonte Smith was a good pick uh, in the first round. Something that we you know we haven't seen pan out. Uh, you know, over the past few years, the I you know yes, the defense is struggling. Yes, the record isn't where we want it to be. Yes, there are some sort of like weird calls, but you have a first time, not just a first year Eagles head coach. You just have like a first time head coach period with like a lot of first timers and young guys around him. And, you know, I don't know, like this year to me is just like, let's just figure some, some stuff out and see where it all lands. Yeah, that's pretty much me too. I, I was coming into this season with low to, to no expectations and um, those are being fulfilled. Okay. <laughs> um, um, but I want to see progress. I want to see going forward, certainly the penalties reduced. That's, that is a glaring problem, a historic problem for the Eagles yeah. um, based off the first four weeks. We have to do something about that. So I don't care if it's Sirianni's first year. I don't care if it's Jalen Hurts' you know, first full year as the starter. They have to improve. And as long as they're improving, as long as I'm seeing things progress to being a better team for next season, then I'll be happy. Um, Devontae Smith does look like a special player. And Hertz is looking – he looks comfortable back there. He looks like a starting quarterback in the NFL. I still don't know if he's – franchise quarterback but he he looks like a starting quarterback in the nfl he looks like he should be there so those are good things for me yeah the defense is a hot is hot garbage um but that's fine we get to see a, a pretty good offensive show um last week not so much the week before but last week so you know, I do see a lot of positives, and this isn't moral victory. It's just I don't think the Eagles are there yet. I just don't think they're a good enough team to 
to be getting real victories. So we'll have to settle for the for the moral victories right now. Gene, so where are you I, at with the I, Eagles? I guess I'm I'm going to be sort of the contrarian because I, I am a little more miffed than I think either of you are. I think that where I get frustrated is, you know, we saw these problems four weeks ago. These were the, you know, the problems that we're seeing. They couldn't stop the run against Atlanta. They still can't stop the run. Um, they were committing penalties in Atlanta. They, they, they still are committing penalties. Um, I, I think that what I was expecting to see would be some sort of adjustment. And I'm not seeing any sort of semblance of adjusting. I'm not seeing any sort of um, ability to enact lessons that they're learning from week to week to week. Um, across, I mean, in, in the big picture, I think that there are certain players that are sort of um, maybe making progress. I think Devontae Smith has looked better every week. I think that uh, Jalen Hurts has had had a pretty good game. Um, pretty much every game this season here isn't, you know, it is comforting to not be coming on every week and blaming the quarterback for um, being the real reason why the Eagles are losing. I don't think it's the quarterback's problem. I think what my issue is, and the thing that upsets me is uh, I can take uh, losses. I'm not, uh, it's not about the record for me right now, but I really, really don't like getting run off the field in the last two weeks. Our defense has been run off the field. This, you know, when you give up 83 points in two weeks, granted, you're talking about a maybe a historically good offense in Kansas City, and what is seems to be a a, 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 a pretty good offense in Dallas. Um, NFL defenses shouldn't be giving up 80 points in two weeks if you have any semblance of self-respect. Um, and the the thing that is really really frustrating is. Uh, outside really of the Dallas game, you had opportunities to win and be three and one. It's one thing um, that if the talent gap was as wide as maybe it seems like it's on paper, but the Eagles were in the San Francisco game and they were down five points with under eight minutes left in the fourth quarter in the Kansas City game. These are games that at least should remain you know, competitive. Um, I, I, I don't understand making double-digit penalties, 13, 14 penalties every week, um, especially when it's the same penalties over and over again. Now, Sirianni did come out and say, like, oh, they're calling that, uh, you know, illegal man downfield a little tighter um, this year. Yeah, but they called it against you three times in the opening week. You've had a lot of time to adjust either the way you're calling that play or, or or series of plays, or the way you're you have a Hall of Fame level coach as your offensive line coach. Uh, I know that he can communicate those changes to those players. So um, I'm frustrated. I think is the best way to put it with the Eagles. I didn't want to be frustrated. I wanted to sort of just take it like you know be the stone in the river and let it sort of just flow over me. But I can't help but get frustrated when. Um, you see sort of the way they are, are losing these games because it's, you know, yes, they are, they are, 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 there are better, they are losing to better teams, but have that sort of self-respect or that, I don't know, like that's, you know, try to have some sense of swagger. You know what I mean? I, I just don't see it with the Eagles. I, I, I see them so much as like, oh, we're learning. We're, 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 we're just out there, out there learning. We're, we're. I, it, I, the NFL is not, you know, a place where you can, you know, you can spend a lot of time sort of just trying shit out. You know what I mean? Like, you, you got to get better every single week and not worse every single week. I mean, it's wait, hard wait, wait. to not be be team. Um, let's get three top ten picks this year, but um, you know, there's already people calling for Nick Sirianni's head. Do, do you want to be the franchise that fires their head coach at the end of the year? Do 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 we want to be the the Cleveland Browns? I don't. I don't want to be that well, squad. Well, I'd rather. I'd rather be uh, a franchise that fires a coach a little too soon, as opposed to just sticking with a bad decision. If Sirianni's not the guy, let's get rid of him. But I think it's way too early to to see that. I. I 
unless the team makes no improvement throughout the year, I I, I think you got to give him two years at least. But I, I think unless he loses the room, I think unless it's a really toxic environment, you you bring him back for next year. But if it if he does lose the room, if it is a toxic environment, if he's just not up to the job, get him out of here. You know, I I would much rather make the the right decision that looks bad than to make a good looking decision that is but what, bad. But what what hold wait hold on a second. So first off, let's can we talk about the penalties for one second? Uh, Chris Lahif says there are too many veterans on this team for all the penalties that penalties they are committing. And yes, I will agree with you both that this is the one point of contention that I have. You know, with like okay, well. I can deal with bad play. I can deal with, you know, some growing pains and things like that. But, you know, just like with the Brett Brown days, like I can't deal with the turnovers. I can't deal with the penalties with this team. I can't deal with defensive errors with the Phillies. Like I just can't deal with the little league peewee, like mistakes, mental mistakes that are going on from being checked out and not being fully prepared to play the games. So that's number one. The question about, Sirianni and like people calling for Sirianni's head like I just don't like I don't know where that like where you would how you would be able to make an informed decision about that at this point yeah I think I think you you can't make an informed decision at at this point you know like Dave said you know to start the show or maybe it was Eugene it was it's his first year as an NFL head coach there's going to be a learning curve and you don't want to be the franchise that like kicks somebody to curb to the curb after going one in four or one in three or whatever the hell we're going to be. I kind of think we might be one in four, but you know, you don't want to make that decision when you've, you, you entered the season with so many variables. You know, we, None of us sat down here and said, well, the Eagles, look at them on paper. They're going to be a great team. None of us felt that way. I don't think anybody felt that way. And they're going up against good competition, and they're losing. Um, you know, Gene, you said it's getting worse every week. I don't feel that. I feel like the the Kansas City game, the, okay, the defense was, they might as well not even played. But, but I think the offense, I think the team on the whole, was good. I felt that game was a lot closer but than that's, even that's that's Kansas City's identity. It's like, okay, we're all offense. We have a terrible defense. So everyone's offense is gonna shine a little brighter in that in that game. So I, I almost like can't even say, well, the offense looked better. Well, yeah, they did look better because they played against a, like a really terrible defense. I think I went into this season basically saying the Eagles will find success because they have strengths in the trenches. They have a good offensive line. They have a good defensive line. If healthy, those can both be top 10 lines in the league. The problem is they are not healthy. So now this is a major, major issue. And we talked about this before the season started, that the team is paper thin. There is no depth. It's like a shoestring with everyone healthy and everything falls just right. They can find success and, you know, maybe get the over on six and a half wins in the season, maybe scratch out seven or eight. Without a, a line, without the lines being healthy, it's a house of cards. It's it's over. We will be looking at a natural top 10 pick for the Eagles this year. Uh, you know, putting aside the other picks that are well potentially also top 10 picks this year. So I don't know, like I can't hold Sirianni accountable for this at this point because it's just like not great. And to be honest, like the, the more coaches come through uh, the Philadelphia coaching turnstiles here, the more I'm starting to think like, is it, like, man, being a head coach must be really hard because when I think of just all the things like, hey, look, just balance the run, you know, do these obvious things. So here's another one uh, from Chris. Covering Tyreek Hill one-on-one has to be the most questionable decisions of the past week. Yeah, yeah, especially because your defense coordinator says, oh, why don't we play a dime package on third and long? Uh, we're not really a dime team. We're not really a dime team. So we don't play six DBs and obviously obvious 
long distance passing situations because we're just not a dime team. Okay. I, okay. I, I don't. Uh, that's one Maybe of those. We're just things not that, a defense team. Yeah, that this is one of those things that that frustrates me watching watching the defense is, um, you sort of. We all know, sort of, by looking at down and distances to some degree, what teams' tendencies are going to be, and it seems like our our defensive coordinator or our defensive strategy seems to be the the plan is let's try to trick them by doing the opposite of what we think uh, would be a good defense against their offense. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll fool them by giving them a passing look, and they're going to run. I, I, it's there's so many things that don't make any sense. Maybe beyond that is our linebackers have zero aggression. Our linebackers don't wouldn't intimidate probably a high school team somewhere in the middle of the country. They they just they they don't they don't put any sort of fear about receivers going across the middle on slants. Uh, they don't they don't stack up well in the box to sort of shut down the run. They this is the epidemic of decades literal decades of ignoring an important position in defense by not putting any draft stock or any real free agent stock in the linebacker core you you've just not had any star power in the linebacking core and right now this is maybe the worst i've ever seen it as far as eagles linebackers um it's just not it's just not going to cut it yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't mind if the if the organizational strategy is to say, okay, look, every team's got a weakness. We are going to accept that our weakness is the linebacking core. That's fine to say. The you just the problem is you just can't totally ignore it. Like it's not a part of the game whatsoever. You need to have a little bit of cash devoted to that to those positions I, you know or you have I, to be so dominant in one of the other sections of your defense either you or healthy defensive- or healthy <laughs> or healthy. and that's the thing it's like you just add another game to the season the odds that players are going to stay healthy through the entire season has just gone down uh you know whatever that percentage extra is i don't know if it's like a- and the way that they ran training camp and everything with with going so low impact was sort of oh, to, to, to maintain this sort of health but I don't know that there's anything that gives you any reason to believe that by not having a full-on training camp and by not trying to play, give people reps in the preseason, did you any service in keeping those guys healthy? Because once this- once the games start and you're at full speed, those guys across the line from you, they're going to hit you really hard. That's just the fact. Does anybody do that anymore? Like – we, I feel like it's yeah, just been narrative. Doesn't. So I, I, I know the 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 Patriots do. I think they well, still I, have a um, a pretty physical preseason. I, you know, I, I don't know. I guess we'd have to talk to former players to see how they feel. I mean, like Ike Reese pretty much goes on the radio every day and yells about how you have to you have to you know wear pads and get hit to get ready for the season. I, I don't know if that keeps you healthy or not. I don't know. He seems to feel like it's important. Maybe, maybe I, I don't know. I just the, know, I the, just know it's like, well, whatever happens, you did the wrong thing. Like if, if you're practicing with pads and you're playing guys in the preseason, someone gets hurt. It's a preseason. You can't play these guys. You don't play them. And then you start the season. If, if they, if they start slow or or they get injured, well, it's because you didn't play them in the preseason. So it's really easy for everyone to sit back and say, like, well, what should you know? What should you do? What he should have done? But I I don't know. Sometimes I feel like these guys are damned if they do, and they're damned if they don't. Well, I mean, I just the, think the they're entire... just not good. Like they're just not good. They're not good enough. Like what do you want? What do you want from them? They can play preseason. They can not play preseason. They're just not good. The counter argument is they're old. Is they're, that old. They... they're old. They're not good. I... <laughs> they're old. They're too young, or they're not good. The counter-argument is that they're supposed to be having so many more mental reps. You know, they're supposed to be doing so much more classroom work. Mm, um, okay. Does this seem like a smart team to you? Does this seem like a studious team to you? Does this seem like a team that has got a mental edge on their opponents? Because I don't see that either. I don't feel like this is a team that is making, uh, like, outthinking their opponents. Uh, this is a team that shoots itself in the foot on a regular basis. And the Maybe they're think, overthinking. 
Maybe. You know, maybe they're getting, maybe they're doing too many mental reps. They're getting assigned too much homework, not enough they're downtime. Too, they are too damn look, smart. No, look. <laughs> Lane Johnson is not out there doing three dimensional chess. Okay. It's just not, it's not, look, one player on the team needs to be smart. That's the quarterback. Everyone else needs to be a dog, you know, like a junkyard dog. Like just be mean and nasty and do the, the I don't know whatever you like body condition programming that that has been instilled in you since peewee football and just do it you know I don't need everyone like double thinking or, or analyzing I don't want look I don't want to be the smartest football team you, you you go out to the schoolyard and pick the smartest kids to be on your football team and let me know how well you do I think the smartest kids in the schoolyard that don't do well at football start podcasts. And, you know, it's been working pretty well for us. I'm giving so. everyone on the show the Wonderlick test. <laughs> we're going to see. We're going to see if we can beat Jalen Hurts. I'll do it. Sign me up. I would do it, too. I think it'd be fun. Can we get our hands on that thing? I think so. Is there's there at least some, some version of it. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's like a, a uh, what do you call it? Like a, a quiz. Facebook quiz, you could say. I'm sure, like like the Buzzfeed. I'm, I'm sure Buzzfeed. Yeah, like a bu- the Buzzfeed Wonderlick <laughs> test. <laughs> which um, is back you, you and what's your Wonderlick score? Do you? Uh, this, all right. So, God. All right. First off, the the, the Tyreek Hill thing also kills me because you guys know he's like my most hated NFL player, and to just see him run wild all day was just so annoying to me. And then for him to have the nerve to wear an Iverson like warm up jacket in the press conference, I was like, Oh my God, get the hell out of here. And then all the kowtowing to Andy Reed this week. Here's the one thing I'll say. Andy Reed, Andy Reed has coached his last game in Philadelphia. What do you think about that? Wow. Like when's the next you, time you the think it's are just... going to be here? Right. Uh, I think it would be like four years from now. Right. No, no, I well, think no, it would be longer than we... that because we, play, we we would play – the next time we play them would be in three years, but we it would be a road game. Right. Right? I think so. I think so. that's how the schedule works. Yeah, I and mean, it's possible unless he was to change teams that Andy Reid has coached his last game. I guess you sort of feel like Andy Reid's on his swan song. You think he's sort of near the end of his uh... – coaching days. I mean, maybe may, I don't know. I'm just it's just like wishful thinking to me, and it's not because I have <laughs> I don't hate Andy Reid. I just hate like the storyline. I'm so over it. Like I was watching ESPN the other day, and they were like, Andy Reid's the first coach that you know won 100 games with two teams, which is so rare because usually if you win 100 games with a team, you know that team does everything they can to keep you. It's like <laughs> you know. <laughs> Andy Reid was here, what, 14 years? Was that the final total? That's all? I I mean, 14 (laughs) years is a long time. But I I think he was here 14 or 15 years, and he's been away how many? He's been away, what, I'm like, it's seven? Almost as long, maybe. I don't know. But it's this isn't new. It's not triumphant Andy's first return home. Yes, he had the medical scare or, or whatever happened there. But yeah, I'm there's, there's a lot of ex coaches and Andy Reed was here a long time, but he's, he's going to go into the hall of fame. If he goes into the hall of fame, if they do this for coaches um, as a Kansas city chief, you know, he, and good for him. Good yeah. for him. That's great. And I'll tell you what, over the last few weeks I've been hearing, Gabe Kapler, Joe Girardi. I've been hearing Andy Reid, Nick Sirianni. You know, I, I, I'm hearing all this stuff, and you know what it comes down to? It comes down to the players. If you have the players, your team wins. If you don't have the players, you lose and you struggle and you get pissed off. And maybe, maybe a coach can do a couple of things to neutralize a game, a play, a drive, a series here and there. But a coach is not going to take you from not making the playoffs to the playoffs. It just doesn't happen. It's the players. And, I, you know, I'm just tired of hearing about the coaches because, like, you know, you could change coaches all day long. Unless you get actual talent here on the field, on the court, on the diamond, it's just not going to happen. And these and teams no, are so 
myopic when it comes to getting talent here. There's no foresight. There's no future planning. Everything's got to happen now, next season, this season. The fans want immediate gratification. We can't wait for anything. Shit, it's been three games. We're not winning anything. Fire Nick Sirianni. Jonathan Gannon's an idiot. The players aren't here. Give them a freaking break. There's no better example to what Dave's saying to the fact than um, the other storyline that was sort of national this week was Tom Brady going back to New England. Um, and, you know, everybody sort of said, like, Belichick versus Brady, Belichick and Brady, da 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 Well, Tom left Bill, and Tom got another ring. And Bill didn't make the playoffs. And before Tom Brady came along, Bill Belichick coached Cleveland. So... So is Bill is Belichick coach? a bad coach now? Maybe is he it was the good, coach, or was it, or was Tom? Is Tom Brady really, actually, truly the best quarterback of all time? And does whatever it is that makes Tom Brady great, is that really the the secret sauce that was the dynasty that was New England? Or you know, is it? Is, I, I think that that's probably you know, if there was an argument or a a sort of mic drop sort of uh, uh, scenario for what Dave's saying. You know, really, it's the players. They're the guys that have to execute. You can you can plot and plan all you want, but if you've got Donovan McNabb yakking in a huddle when you're trying to come back in the Super Bowl, what's what's Andy Reid going to do? Yeah, <laughs> I think he can't make him. He can't Donovan suddenly... is the reason Andy won. Donovan and Patrick Mahomes are the reason Andy Reid has won two hundred games. You think Andy Reid made fourth and 26? I mean, like, come on. No, Freddie Mitchell made fourth and 26. <laughs> but um, I think I think a coach makes a difference, but it's not I, – I agree with you, Dave. The, you know, 90% or or at least 70% of a team's results are the, the players. You know, I think a coach can either bring them down or pump them up what, 10%, maybe 20? I have no idea. But usually you talk about it's time to get rid of a coach when when they're not advancing far in the playoffs. You know, it's, okay, the Eagles go out in the first round every year. They look great. Wouldn't that be nice to consistency to make the playoffs? But, okay, the Eagles go out in the first round every year, and they look good in the regular season. They fall apart in the playoffs. That's pointing to the coach for me. And, you know, unless somebody on the team has, like, major anxiety problems or something like that. But I, I think the, the bulk of the heavy lifting happens on the players. And a coach can either build them up or break them down. But it's really rare. And and I can't really think of it in football just by the nature of the game. But, you know, like in hockey, you know, I think uh, we won a record. I went 28 minutes without bringing up hockey yet this show. <laughs> um but you can have somebody like a Barry Trotz who puts in this defensive system that elevates okay players to play winning really boring hockey. And that can happen, but that's a really rare occasion. And you still have to have the players to do it. You want to look at that Islanders team and go, oh, it's all Trotz, it's all Trotz, it's all Trotz. Like, no, they, they have the players they need for their team. And Andy Reid, not to, to to pump his tires anymore, he had the the players he needed for a long time, with especially Donovan, to to make it work, to have his system work. And Andy Reid and Donovan were a match made in heaven, you know, for that West Coast offense style of why run when you can throw for for a two yard gain which Andy and Donovan both loved and actually had a lot of yeah. success. With. Okay. Let's look at the game on Sunday, right? There was a turnover. There was a fumble. The Eagles fumbled the football. It got called down by contact that if Andy Reed challenged that he would have won. It would have been a fumble and a turnover and chiefs ball. Instead, he didn't challenge it. And the Eagles scored a touchdown. Okay. Now that was not the difference between winning and losing that game. On Sunday, it could very easily have been the difference between winning and losing that football game, though, had you played a competent football team. 
So we're talking about, oh, look how great Andy is. Well, he ain't that great. He missed that one. <laughs> I mean, he's he's his legacy for us is poor clock management, wasting timeouts. Yeah, I, I, I just don't like I, I mean, I get it. He's a good coach. Like this, you know, it's good coaches around the league. There's good coaches, there's bad coaches, there's okay coaches. I get it. Um, I just don't know that the degree of difference between all of them is galaxies apart i agree i agree i think you have to be a truly awful coach to tank a good team you know to to just disrupt it you have to be like worst of the worst and i think you have to be like the best coach to take a bad team and make them respectable but i i i completely agree with you dave i think it's just small degrees of difference a good coach knows the right buttons to push to enhance his team a bad coach doesn't and that might be a difference of one or two wins. You know? So do you want do you want to see your coach sort of like flip his lid? You know, whether you're talking about Joe Girardi or Nick Sirianni or uh, even Doc Rivers or um, Peter Laviolette, I feel like was a much better example of a Flyers coach that could really um, blow his stack. Um, you know, I, to sort of galvanize I, a team. I or do want you want my coach? I want my coach to be like. Like, just think about your bet, the best boss you've ever had at work. I want my coach to be like that. Dave, I want you're someone my best that's boss. <laughs> what I said, you're my best boss. I was never your boss. You're my uh, boss of the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I want someone who is honest, holds people accountable, is a straight shooter, has looks organized. I will say, Nick Sirianni does not look organized all the time. I mean, he looks pretty flustered when things get out of hand, like, pretty easily. I mean, yeah, when you do have, like, seven pens hanging from your right, you don't know what you're doing. You're just like, you know, uh, uh, you know, okay, things are moving too fast for you, and you're not able to keep up. And I get it. It's like, it's like, that's a new thing. and You're in a pressure cooker. And I would say to Nick Sirianni just to, like, pump the brakes with, like, the pro Philly stuff because it's not – like if you're winning, that's cutesy, and if you're not, it's like uh, you're, they're pushing it too hard. Because then we got now we got the Flyers hat going, and like you know, I don't know. Um, it feels yeah, a, it's not it's a, a bit much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like it, but it's like getting like to be a point where it's like well, it doesn't need to be something novel every week. You know what I mean? Like you know, you made your point. I think the the one of the things, and I'm gonna. The difference is the way that I think sort of they're all taking a page now when they come into town, they they sit down with their representatives because that's how the world works. Now you you have people when you want to appeal to the, you know, the, the folks that are coming through the turnstile, you know, you've got your your representatives, whether it's your manager, if you're a player or uh, your agent, maybe. And they say, OK, you, you want to make new fans. You want to you know, this is the sort of things you want to put out on Twitter. Um, these are the things you want to sort of want to address. And I think right now, all of these guys that are coming into Philadelphia, they're all sat down and they're like, here is the Bryce uh, Harper package. <laughs> and they show all of the things that Bryce Harper did sort of in those initial weeks when he was a Philly and, and how it sort of galvanized the fans behind him. Here's the difference, though. Uh, Bryce Harper has delivered, for the most part, on everything that he has sort of was advertised to be. Um, especially this season when he put up MVP caliber numbers. Yeah, and we um, were begging. We were like begging for Bryce Harper to come here. I was like, please, Bryce Harper, please come here. I was refreshing Twitter like 25,000 times a day. Please, Bryce Harper, please. Nobody was like, Nick Sirianni, please come to Philly, Nick Sirianni. Who the fuck are you? Please so come we, to Philly. We don't need like a, a Jeffrey Lurie faced line suit jacket. We don't need the beat Dallas uh, uh, t-shirts. We don't need the, um, you know, the flyers caps. We don't yeah, like need if three years ago. You were, I told you three years ago, I was like, Hey, guess what? Nick Siriano is a big <laughs> Phillies fan. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, someone you go to. Is that someone you work with? But if you were like, yo, Bryce Harper loves the Philly fanatic, he's like, right on, man. I have new respect yeah. for that guy. Yeah. And, so, and, and I think is, you know, with Nick Sirianni, you, if you're going to wear a T-shirt that says beat Dallas, you can't then lose to them by double digits. You you, you sort of need, you know, you got to sort of, you know. Yeah, you better have some, sort of some intel you, that you're going to win that game. Yeah. Or, or 
I just feel like it's real bold, you know, when you're it's the third game of the year and you come out with that beat Dallas T-shirt. It's a choice. It's a choice. I love the T-shirt. But if they did I bought, it, I bought one, <laughs> but I don't know if I'm going to wear it now. It sort of got yet. a funk on it. But but Not here's yet. the thing. Here's the thing too. Bryce is here for the long haul. You know, years. with. Yeah, with the contract he signed, with the the resume he came here with, this wasn't just ingratiate myself to the fan base. This was, I mean, we all talked about it. I mean, he must have known that his his wife was expecting when he kept talking about, we're starting a family, we're starting a family, we're starting a family. It's like, all right, calm down. <laughs> like, do that off stage. We don't want to see <laughs> you, you, you make it. Uh, some people may, and that's, that's good for you. But it's... He's going to be here, and he's going to be raising his family here and be part of this community for a long time. Whereas Nick Sirianni is coming on a bit strong. You know, it seems like, you know, when it's reciprocated, it's like, woohoo, we're all a big happy family. Now it's like, slow down, Nick. You know, we just started dating. <laughs> you know, you you seem like a nice enough guy. I want this to work. You want this to work. Please stop showing me houses on Zillow. Okay. <laughs> that took a little bit of a journey, and I was happy with it. I, it, it, land, it ended up where I expected, so I was happy to get there. Speaking <laughs> of houses on Zillow, I see Ben Simmons' uh, apartment, condo in Philadelphia. One of his is, homes. His first sale. Yep. Oh. So it must you be real. You must really want to leave now. Shouldn't you wait until you're actually traded? You might actually be stuck really, here for a while. Must really, really want to leave. Uh, so what shall we talk about now? The Phillies? Seems to be a good good segue. Did, did you guys uh, like uh, eulogize the Phillies last episode? Or were we still I, I think as much. I think as much as we could. I, I think there yeah. was a slim ray of optimism. Uh, not op uh, certainly wasn't optimism, but there was like a slim... Ray, there was a glimmer uh, of hope. There was like a, a hope chance, that right? there was, was like, a, sweep you know, the Braves and we can do it. No, yeah. no, there was a caveat. There was a caveat that it was still technically possible for the Phillies to salvage the season, but we because oh, they had already lost Game One, right, or something like that. They lost while we were on the air last week. Yeah, yeah. we we, we yeah. sort of um, held off on talking so, Phillies until that game went final. So the Phillies had a winning season, uh, first time in eleven years. Yeah, I'm going to the one, parade. You guys, you guys want to go? One, the, we're going to uh, winning season parade. We'll meet. We're going to meet at uh, at uh, Gino's, and we'll grab steak sandwiches, and we're gonna, we're going to watch uh, we're going to watch utility players go by. <laughs> I okay, I, <laughs> everyone's going to kill me for this, but like, I think I feel like that is a symbolic thing. I feel like we've crossed we've crossed the Danube. The Rubicon. We've crossed the Rubicon. That's what it is. Like that's it. This is it now. This is like we've turned the we've turned the corner now. It's just like that eighty second win was the hardest one to get, like over the last ten years. And now that we got it, it's like it's all downhill now. It's like the accelerator. We're gonna hit the accelerator. Things are gonna start happening. I mean, from your lips to God's ears, but I'm not sure that's how it works. I'm, I'm happy. Oh, it's that a mental. The, it's a mental switch. Well, I hope so, but it's the accomplishment is the the Phillies stop shitting the bed, and while that's a wonderful thing to be celebrated, um, we need a little more consistency. We need to know that they're not going to shit the bed next year, and the year after that, and the year after that. So. I'm happy with this step. Believe me, no one wants to clean up shit in the morning. But, <laughs> um, but I'm I'm not throwing away the pull ups. I'm not throwing away the overnight diapers. So Sarah has, is like the queen of the uh, of the analogies today. I'm, I'm really apparently. I'm just you, I start them and I don't know where I'm going to end them. What's what? Are you, are you currently in potty training mode for a child? No, no, we are past potty training. Okay, but the overnights. Are a little wonky. Okay. Right. Just with number one, not with number two. You don't need to know this. I don't okay. need this on so a the record. Phillies, the we... Phillies are out of diapers now. <laughs> they are still wearing the overnight pull-ups. Uh, I'm a big kid now. Phillies <laughs> are a big kid now. Um, no, I, I'm optimistic going into next season for the Phillies. Look, 
the car, look, the stars are not going to align like they did this year. That's for sure. So it's going to be harder next year. I think that I think the rotation can be. Let's see. There's 30 teams, a top 12 MLB starting rotation with Wheeler, Suarez, Nola, Gibson, Eflin. If those guys are healthy and feeling good, I think that could be a top 12, top 14 rotation. I feel like there are holes. To, there's some holes that I'm like, okay, it's just a hole. You know, do your best. And that's fine. But you do have to solve a couple of them in the offseason. So which holes do you think are unfillable? What holes? Do I have an opinion. I have a thought on one I think there's no way to fix, at least not in the short term. So, yeah. look, center field leadoff hitter is the thing everyone wants. It's not fillable. You're not going to fill it this offseason. Outside the organization, you're not going to fill. Who's who's available? I've been asking people all day. Yeah, everyone who's saying center field or leadoff, who's available? You know what names I get? Byron Buxton. He's not an unrestricted free agent. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure he's a Minnesota twin, and I don't see that changing. Trey Turner, converter him to an outfielder. He's not an unrestricted free agent. Nick Cassianos, he's not a free agent. Right, so you can't you're going to trade for these guys? Okay. The most viable option trade? that I heard was Mark Canna. Like, no, that, that, that's <laughs> not going to That dude hits 230. Like, come on. That, that's not much of an upgrade from Odubel Herrera, to be honest with you. Do, so, do, you think I mean, that, do you think that Odubel's back as the starting center fielder next year? Uh, maybe. And are you I'm, okay with that? No, I'm not okay with it. I'm not okay with it for the same reason why I'm not okay with Tyreek <laughs> Uh, catching three touchdowns on Sunday. I'm just not okay with it. Like, I would much rather, you know, us find another solution to that. Um, yeah, it's I, – I, I don't want to see him back for for the obvious reasons. And – A.J. Pollock, not a free agent. And we don't have tradable assets. No. Right. We, 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 so I feel like that's have, the hardest one to get. Well, Bryce himself said we have to build the right way. We have to build through the farm. Uh, maybe he wants to be a player manager to end his career <laughs> with a competitive team. But if he wants to win, it's got to be now. So I I don't know what the Phillies do. I mean, you, you, you have to maybe shore up that bullpen. Not maybe, sorry. You have to shore up that bullpen. And... Wouldn't hurt to shore up the starting rotation too. As much as I love what Ranger did this year, I don't want to. I don't want to bet the bank that he's our our number two. And Nola, there's a lot of question marks about Nola. And if he slots into the the number three starting spot, those questions are gone for me. You know, here's everything. Your, go on. Here's your here's your unrestricted free agents at center field: Starling Marte. That's a legitimate okay. option. Um, Jared Dyson, Juan Lagares, Billy Hamilton, Delino DeShields. How think, old is Delino DeShields? It's, it's Delino. It's it's the it's his son. Not oh thank God. Not, <laughs> not, not the guy that was twenty nine. By the way, not, not the guy that was on like the Dunruss. Uh, no. Rated rookie or whatever in nineteen. Okay, I was I I, I was going to comment. I'm like, not the you. guy that played for Montreal. No, no, yeah, no. From, they're they're from Delaware, by the way. The DeShields. But yeah, so there's no options there outside of Starling Marte, and Starling Marte makes over twelve million dollars a year. So I don't know that that's like I don't know. It's just and, that's going to be a tough one for me. Also, and what, and what negotiating leverage do the Phillies have? Everyone knows they they don't have tradable assets, and I I hope it's either it's either trade price and build slow, which I don't want to do, but it's probably the right call. It's probably the right call to build the team the right way. But if you want to win with Bryce, which I do, you have to to back up the money truck and give it to anybody who's willing to take it. And you don't have much of a leg to stand on because everyone knows the Phillies don't have a farm system. Everyone knows 
the Bryce Harper window to win is now to the next. How many more years is he in his prime? Three, four, maybe. It's got a while. Yeah, he's young. For that his... was sort of the whole 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 reason why we spent the money we did on him because he was, you know, his window was a little bit more open. It was it was more like an eight year window, I think. Yeah, but I'm not talking We've about like half of it, but. We have. We've eaten, what, three years now? Um, and it's not – I'm not talking about when he stops being an effective player. I, I kind of hope he's going to be the guy who's an effective player long, long into his career. I think he has all the tools to be it. But, like, Bryce Harper's prime is now. And we only have a couple more years before the, the regression starts. I think he's going to be a good player when that happens, but I don't know. Do, do you guys think there we have the option to build through the farm? Well, I mean, you, you don't have it yet, which means you've got to sort of you, – you've got to hope that, that there are some things that just aren't identified yet and you, you get very lucky. Um, I think that they knew what their problems were going into this season and they didn't address them in the first place. I think fundamentally, if you were able to not blow in the mid-30s saves this year, which you knew going into the season that you had a problem closing games. And um, they tried. Mm-hmm. I'm not I saying mean, that I there was a lack of fault, effort. I cannot fault the organization. They knew they had a weakness. They went out. They got Avocado. They got Archie Bradley. I mean, they had tried to address that issue. I think their bigger problem was they didn't have any depth at starting pitching, and they ended up basically for a third of the season, their fifth starter was a bullpen game. But How many bullpen back, games did we did we have to see? I, I, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, it seemed like they had it figured out in the like second half of the second half. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, again, it's just like, if you don't have, if you don't have the farm, you may have, you may have enough to patch up some stuff, but you have no depth. And it's the same problem that the Eagles have you. There is no like next man up because next man is Neftali Feliz who was polishing bowling balls in a bowling alley last week. I mean, that can't happen. That cannot happen. There's no way someone out of baseball is a better replacement for someone who goes down than someone in AAA or the next man up in your organization. Like, it just can't happen. There's a reason he's out of baseball. It's it's unacceptable. It's just unacceptable. Like, that kind of stuff is unacceptable. And it's just – it's malpractice on behalf of Matt Klintak. And I think I think everyone's got to chill and give Dave Dombrowski three to five years to get this thing figured out. He's clean houses with the scouts. He's brought in smart people. Let them do their thing. I mean, it's that's the. I mean, I, and I, you know that may be the problem with the city more than anything else. When you talk about the way we treat the teams and the players and stuff, it's just like you got to let this stuff breathe and give it a chance to work before we just decide that it's a failure. That's a very good point. That That is a excellent point about giving people enough time to, to implement the changes they want to implement to, to execute their plan. I, I really do believe that's a, that's a great point. It's just, can we, can we bolster the team enough through free agency alone to be competitive next year. Not just competitive. I mean, a contender to get in the playoffs and have the chance of making some noise. So we don't need to trade assets. We really don't have. And if we can just build through free agency, how many seasons Two. yeah. Is that reasonable Two to to start stockpiling the farm? I don't know. I really don't know for that to happen. I mean, they got to get a couple of pieces, some, some not, not stars, like not even stars, just some, 
like serviceable positive war players to come in here and fill in some holes. Some of these young guys, it's just got to work. I mean, and I think that's what Bryce Harper is alluding to when he's like, you know, we need some dogs from the from the farm to cut. Like, look, someone's got to get their shit together. I don't care if it's Bohm needs to get his shit together, Scott Kingery needs to get his shit together, Adam Hazley, Mickey Moniak. Like, one or two of these dudes needs to get their shit together and say, like, hey, I'm going to be an MLB ball. I'm going to be an MLB baseball player. I mean, this is your career, dudes. Like, someone needs to get their shit together and step up. And that would be just, I mean, that would be incredible if that could happen. You know, if if Alec Bohm comes back and is like, okay, I'm a I'm a middle of the road MLB third baseman. Like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah same back in this thing. Oh, are they? <laughs> oh no. Aaron uh, Judge just got thrown out of home. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, so that's what needs to happen to make it work. Like, you guys, I mean, should we talk for like five minutes about MLB postseason? Oh, you want to? You go, Dave. You, I'm putting myself on mute, having some water. You've been dying. You, no, the- it's just, it's just my favorite time of year. Mm-hmm. Um. I love MLB postseason. I love these wild card games. I love the ads for postseason that involve um, leaves of different colors uh, blowing across things. Uh, you know, I just I love what my it was my son was like. You know, what I love about the postseason guys like I love the commercials. And he's talking about like the promos where they show you know all the guys from the teams or whatever and get excited about it. And it's just I don't know. Like today is like really cool. You get to see. The Yankees and the Red Sox play an elimination game in Fenway Park in October on national television. You get to hear A-Rod call it, which I'm sure all the you know Red Sox fans are just loving, and they get to know how we <laughs> feel every every uh, 4 p.m. Eagles-Dallas game. We get to hear Troy Aikman call our, our, our game against our rival. Um, and it's just awesome. And you know it's going to be a close game. You know it's going to be – there's going to be drama. I mean, we're in the sixth inning now. And uh, like I know in the eighth and ninth, it's just like every pitch is going to be like every single person in those stands. They're already all standing up in a packed house in Fenway, which we haven't seen in how long. Um, you know, the postseason was robbed from us last year for the magic that it is now. Uh, and it's just it's one of my favorite like tonight and tomorrow, are like two of my favorite nights of the year to watch baseball. So um, I don't know with that. Thoughts on the MLB postseason? So I just love it. Take it away, Gene. Take it away. <laughs> uh, uh, much like you, I, I I think that this is sort of um, that beautiful time of year where you 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 get those magical games, those um, those sort of legendary events. Um, you know, Bartman. Um, uh, you know, He's stuff like man. that. Yeah, where 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 you know. <laughs> Things um, there's nothing quite like the the pressure of a of a of a baseball elimination game, whether it's a one game playoff, a game five, a game seven. Um, it's just sort of a unique slow burn sort of pressure. Um, that that sort of mentality of um, you know you know that manager is going to be looking up and down the bench and that there's not anybody in that dugout that's. Um, going to be spared if uh your ace pitcher needs to go in and and get you six outs to to win the game you know tomorrow sort of be damned um every yeah. everybody's gonna gonna do what they need to do and um you know there aren't too many equivalents uh in sports because you don't have the same sort of uh, usage of the roster the way you do in baseball that you have in other sports you know in in, in basketball you know Yes, they're the rotation, but, you know, the, the centers are, are the centers. Um, you know, baseball is such a game of specialization uh, to sort of see that um, that desperation sometimes where you'll see guys have to do things um, that they haven't been called on to do through 162 games. Um, and baseball, just partly because it's the, the one sport where all of the uh, sort of 
fields of play all have their own unique characteristics um, that this is where those monuments to the game sort of get made. Um, this is why Fenway has the mystique that it does. It's why Wrigley and Yankee Stadium and, you know, even Citizen Bank Park to a certain degree, this is why they, this is where they get that mystique. You, you don't get it, you know, on a Tuesday in May, you get it, you get it on a Tuesday in October. Gene, I love you, man. I love how you just threw Citizens Bank Park in there with Fenway and Yankee Stadium. <laughs> it's like some sort of cathedral. Well, <laughs> to the it's game. A, hey, it's, it's, it's older than Yankee cathedral. Stadium. It, it's right, that's, older than Yankee that's Stadium. Fair. That's fair. And already hasn't seen as many World Series, right? I th I oh, think Jesus. that it's um, I think it's got more rants, romance to it than City's uh, City Field. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. I was I would not I, I wasn't anyway. There's there's no City David Field Wright corner in Citizens Bank Park. Uh, no, but there is no, Utley's corner. No, no, there's not. Um, Sarah, uh, yeah, I love postseason baseball too, especially the the first round. I was not a fan of the one game wild card play-in. Um, the, the current iteration of it, I, I do really enjoy because it brings such intensity to the start of it. And it, I mean, any playoffs intense, but it's like you start with back-to-back -back game sevens and then you start the, the series slow. You start that slow grind of baseball and day games. I fucking love day games, you know? Yeah. And the weather when is they're not my team. Yes, when they're not my team. Well, if <laughs> I hated it when we had the day the day game. I did too, but depending on like how tenured you were at work, sure. a day game, you know, that you go like you're listening to that first inning on the radio, like as you are making your exit to the bar to sit outside <laughs> in gorgeous fall weather. Yeah. You know, that was that was beautiful. That was that was wonderful. But really I just like how pervasive it is this first round yeah. where it's what time's the game on what's going on are you watching this what's happening and just that electricity that surrounds it and it, it the, really is the first round now there is something great about just the the majesty of baseball and and as it goes on it's still great but the first round really feels special and exciting and for me, for me, for me, I still don't follow the American League anywhere near as close as the National League. And in the playoffs, when the um, when the the Phillies aren't in them, which is unfortunately most of the time, I watch as much American League as I do National League. So it's it's really some of these teams I'm really familiar with, some I'm not, and it's just fun and it does feel like fall and it it does feel special and i'm not much of a beer drinker but i i like to have a nice fall beer and watch some baseball so yeah no i i love uh i love uh playoff baseball we should uh we should wrap up with some uh predictions postseason baseball predictions any thoughts where's your head at who do I mean, you want to win who do you go that way? Who do you not want to win for sure? Do you want to do not like don't have them win power rankings? Oh, that'd be fun. Yankees. Um, well, all right. Well, who gets the number one spot? The Braves? I don't the want Braves. the Braves to win. The Braves will get the number one spot. So here's here's the here's my list of villains. Braves, Astros, Dodgers. They're like the three. Like if none of like as long as none of those teams win, I'm like okay. The Yankees have to be on there for me. I just yeah. loathe the Yankees. Loathe the Yankees. I just <laughs> loathe the Yankees. Um, but it's hard to put them above the Astros. They're going above the Dodgers for me. Okay. Yeah, Braves number one, definitely. I that was. Yeah, we cannot uh, suffer that. No, not even no. The the Braves might be my most hated team in all of baseball. We wow. uh, I do hate the Mets. I don't know, but the Braves definitely. Okay. Then, yeah, the Astros. Screw them. I don't. I don't want to see them win and open up their chests and you know celebrate with trash cans and do all sort of trolling shit that they do. So then the Astros, then the Yankees. Is anyone putting the Giants 
on their list because of Gabe Kapler. No, I, I, I actually, I sort of have an opposite vibe with with the the Giants. I sort of, um, I sort of want to see them succeed, um, and that could possibly be because I hate everything that this the Dodgers sort of stand for right now. This whole like, I mean, that um, would really burn up Dodger fans. Don't you re- right, and and I, I, I can't, I can't not want that. I, I, you know, right. there's something that's so attractive about this team that has just spent insane amount of money, acquired superstar after superstar, um, yeah. you know, basically making themselves a foregone conclusion to be a World Series champion and to get beat by, you know, by San Francisco with, you know, Gabe Kapler and his sort of goofy, goofy squad of um of scrappy, Gene, are the, uh, are the Cardinals on your hate list here for the uh, the World Series? Uh, I, they I, gotta be. Yeah, I mean, I can't like stand an upper middle the whole. They're they're the it's 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 Braves, Dodgers, Cardinals for me out of the National League. That's the, no Astros know, any, in there. Well, the, the, I'm saying National League. The Astros oh, nationally. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Astros I, I kind are of, number one. I kind of feel you. The Astros are sort of number one with a bullet. Like I, I just want them eliminated as soon as possible. Once yeah. they're gone, then I'm I'm sort of happy. I Brewers are a am. very friendly team for me. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. I, like I, I think they're the only. I think they're the only team I like. I I have a soft spot for Boston, um, but I know that won't be a popular sentiment. So. Um, I'm not gonna, yeah, screw it. it. I like Boston. I'm rooting, I'm rooting for the Red Sox. If not them, definitely the the Brewers. Okay. Well, I tell you what, I would love for the Rays to win the World Series this year. I think it's their time. I I've always kind of respected that organization for what they've done with what they've had. Um, I I would hope that maybe a maybe a World Series championship would get them into like a proper baseball park one day mm-hmm. um i mean montreal there's, is lovely so but i mean there's, it, there's, they're, they're also sort of the anti-marlins you know what i mean like the, the marlins sort of go out of their way it seems like if to, i lived in florida i would suck. be a Rays fan 100 percent. yeah yeah but if if the rays win it they'll be the you know champa bay god the city of champion oh yeah, yeah. yeah. well oh will they have some they'll like have asshole. all great well, they have some sort of like asshole water parade where they uh. disrespect the trophy by throwing it all around all over the place. <laughs> no, only they Tom Brady can do that because he has a, he has backups other. at home. He 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 can do that because he can replace it himself. The bolts dented the Stanley Cup, so That's, they're just well, very. Well, poor what's wrong winners. with Tampa? What is wrong with those people? Uh, it's too many That's old a whole <laughs> Florida man. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of which, what about the guy with the the the, the gator or whatever in the trash can? Billy like, guy throwing shade at Ben Simmons. Love it, love it. It's it's not it's not unlike Aguilar. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. But it's up there. I I do it's really think I really think that like if Legend. you're. Uh, a Philadelphian making national news, you do have to throw some shade at a Philadelphia <laughs> sports. Is, is the guy he from Philly? Of, yeah. He is from Philly. Is it, yeah, he's from he just lives in Florida now? Yeah, he if does. You I mean, he's a Philadelphia in Florida, guy. If you took me and put me in Florida and said, okay, you got to put a gator in the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. All right. That's all the time we have for today. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. If you uh, if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Podadelphia. If you have any more time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out the Whip Around for all the, uh, for all the week's weird news. Um, also, be sure to check out the Painted Lines on Facebook and YouTube for all of your Philly sports coverage. And also check out the Philly Sports Alliance on Facebook for more and more and more Philly sports coverage. Um, what's that? We're going to be back next Tuesday. We'll be talking MLB playoffs. We'll be talking hockey, getting ready to drop the puck, right? Next Tuesday it oh, starts? A week from Friday, the, the Flyers debut at home against the Canucks. All right, right on, right on. And we have Sixers preseason games 
um, starting as well. So, um, you know, we'll get you some more information about those teams as the season gets closer. So until next week, everybody, have a great day at work. We are out of here. Thank you.